If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Stand on the line, turn the game again. Everybody's gonna lose and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day. So stick around, baby, and everything will be okay. Hello, everybody. And yeah, stick around, baby. Everything will be okay because you're listening to Get Rich Quick with Josh. And Noel. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, this is a show where I, Josh Rubin, and I, Noldenine, come together once a week over a single topic, and from said topic, we come up with a bunch of ideas on how to get really rich really quickly. We ask for no money up front because that's not how we work. We're on a hippie communist radio station. And they wouldn't be happy with us telling people that they won't get our ideas unless they fess up the bucks first. But we figured out a, wa- a, a workaround, as the kids say. <laughs> we give you the ideas. You get incredibly rich. Super rich. Obviously, incredibly quickly. Yeah. And then you say, oh, those guys really helped me out. Without them, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. I Oughta do what, Noel? After you're rich, after you've made your billions or trillions or however illions you got, uh, you sit back on your golden throne from a high and you say, hey, I need to get here on my own. I got these ideas from these two dudes I listened to that one day when I had nothing to do, I owe them a little something. And what do you owe us? We don't make it hard. You don't have to do any soul searching. You don't have to do any tabulating. You was 10% of everything you made while you got rich. That's it. We don't want any money from anything else. Just 10% of the trillions you made. That's it. Tithe us. There you go, trillions. Jeff Bezos on track to be the first trillionaire. Trillionaire, my friend. Mm-hmm. Amazon... I believe was recently uh, valued, valuated. Is that what the kids say? Is that okay, what the uh, sure. at one point seven trillion dollars? What bananas? That's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that just about the the sort of uh, uh, what is it GDP of the United States? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I think like a trillion dollars a year or something like okay. that. Okay. All right. Well, but it's probably more now. I mean, that's uh, insane. Insane. Amazon is its own country. Sure. Uh, its own major country. Its own superpower. Yeah. I mean, they kind of should be, right? Maybe they should cut a deal with some country that just needs money uh-huh. and change the name of the country to Amazon and just okay. do everything out of there. All the main corporate offices, warehouses, everyone there works for Amazon. Uh-huh. Seems like a way to go. Yeah, but Amazon wants to not pay tax. And that Well, if they have their own country, they don't have to pay tax. They would they would they would have to pay all the tax because they'd be, have to support the country. No, there is no tax. They own, they are the country. They take over the country. They purchase the country, essentially, is what I'm saying. Okay, all right. 
and then there's no operating costs from there. Well, there are operating costs, but people get a salary paid by Amazon, and then they are taxed by the country of Amazon, and then that pays for infrastructure. But Amazon would be happy to pay for infrastructure if the entire infrastructure is, is created to run their company. Okay. We should have done a different topic this week. Uh, maybe we should have. <laughs> this one sucked for me. Yeah. I don't know about you. Uh, it was all right. Hey, you know, I do want to do a shout-out, though, of something I saw in the news of a brilliant idea that we somehow missed in our schemes. But it seems like something that we would have concocted. Peter Lugers has just announced that they have partnered with Madame Tussauds. And in Peter Luger's, because they're at whatever, 25% capacity, uh, <coughs> they filled the other booths and the bar area and stuff with uh, wax celebrities. That's ridiculous. It's great. Are they are they charging people an additional door charge know. to eat there as well because you're know. basically eating in Madame Tussauds Museum? Can you charge people more than you're already getting charged at Peter Luger's? I mean, well, you charge a door fee, right? Like mm -hmm. an entrance fee. So people can come in and they, you know, like whatever Madame Tussauds costs. Yeah. You know, that's a, I mean, you know, Madame Tussauds is definitely uh, uh, taking a risk by putting those wax figurines in there. Sure. Those things are, you know, one of a kind jobos. Okay. Takes months to make those things. Does it really? Are they handmade? I, I just yeah, they are handmade. Computer printed by now. No, they're handmade. Okay. They're they're literally hand molded from wax. There's like on one of those on Discovery or TLC a couple of years back. I saw a whole thing on. All right. Madame Tussauds. But good on you, Peter Luger. Yeah. It's a rare idea that we haven't come up with at this point. It is. It is. Especially Too when it comes to like driving pandemic business because we were fixated on that for a while. Yeah. For sure. You know, we're we're. 2,650,000 episodes in at this point. <laughs> yeah. You'd think we'd have come up with an idea about everything for everything. Yeah. But clearly, I think that just shows the ingenuity of the human mind. We have more than one episode for every person who's been vaccinated so far. Yeah. And at the rate <laughs> we're going, we're at the rate we're going, we'll have more than one episode for everybody in the world mm -hmm. before everybody in the world is vaccinated. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. How are you, Noel? How's your good. week been? Uh, week's been good. It's been busy. Um, we took Nigel today to the doctor for his nine-month checkup. He's officially giant. Mm -hmm. He's 97th percentile still for height and weight. Mm -hmm. um, he's 25 pounds. Our neighbor, baby, who is just over a year, is 19, just under 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. So he's 25% heavier than her. Mm -hmm. Three months younger. He still weighs less than Herschel. Really? Yep. Wow. How much Herschel's is Herschel? 32 weigh? pounds. Huh. Solid okay. muscle, baby. Yeah. Herschel's a tough little cookie. Yep. Um, and we saw Herschel. Uh, Herschel and Nigel did some bonding. Yep. Yep. I'm excited what we can do when Nigel reaches 32 pounds. Okay. We can put them in a cage together. And let them fight. And let them fight. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see who wins. Uh, Nigel might be a better biter. Yeah, but he's got fewer teeth. 
He does. So he can bite a lot. He may bite a lot more and even harder, but may not do as much damage. I don't know. He seems to be able to focus on those teeth. How's his grip, though? Uh, It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I feel like that's his big advantage, that he's got grip. And opposable thumbs. Yeah. 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 So, but we won't know. It'll be a, a, a scientific experiment. Yes, it will. Well, maybe we'll rent the whole event out to Peter Lugers. Yeah, oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and we can live stream it. Yeah. We'll put, we'll put them both in rooster costumes. Uh-huh, baby doggy death match. Baby doggy cockfights. Uh-huh. That's why you put them in rooster outfits. Yeah, no, I understand. Okay. I, 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 I got the reference. Okay. Um... um and then it'll be surrounded by wax figurines of celebrities watching. Yes. And then we can just pipe in, like, uh, applause. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what else I do? I, I really haven't done that much, right? Just working um, mm-hmm. and hanging out with this guy. Uh, I did go down today. Um, I'd been talking with the babysitter. Our babysitter is from Ireland. Um, oh, you guys have a lot to talk about then. <laughs> sure, all the times I've never been to Ireland. Yeah, well, you can um, talk about uh, 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 what was it? What was the instrument? Did you play the play the Irish flute or the Irish I, mandolin I played, or the? I played the tin whistle. I played fiddle. I played boron. Um, uh huh. You Irish? Danced. You Irish danced? I had to take Gaelic at one point. Yeah, so you have tons to talk about. Yeah. You could you could be that American Irish guy going up to an actual Irish person to prove your Irish bona fides. Yeah, Irish, and and you're right, exactly. And then she'll just shake her head and be like, You're not Irish, you're just an American with Irish roots who can't let it go. <laughs> who can't let it go. Who can't let it go. Um and we were talking, we had been talking about um uh Shel Silverstein. The great Irish Jew. Uh is he Irish? No, he's he's not. Okay. Um so I had a long time ago I had downloaded a bunch of like Shel Silverstein albums, which I don't have anymore. But so I was streaming a bunch of Shel Silverstein today for Nigel. Do you know he wrote uh Boy Named Sue? I did not know that. Yeah. You know what else he has on his on his best of album that he wrote? What? Uh that cover of the Rolling Stone. That, that cover on the cover of a Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone. I don't think I know that. Picture. Uh, sure you know. Oh, I do know that. Yeah. Okay. He wrote that? I guess so. It was on his best of album, not being sung by him. But it, oh, so it wasn't being so his best of album had people singing his original some was him some of, singing stuff, okay. and some was, uh, you know, boy, boy named Sue. Right. Uh, oh, so he never sang "Boy Named Sue" because I was actually, while I would have been really interested to hear Shel Silverstein singing "Boy Named Sue" after only knowing it as as a uh, Johnny Cash song. Uh huh. You know, and hearing sort of a nasally. Maybe he did sing that one. I forget. But there were songs definitely not being sung by him on it. Huh. And Johnny Cash, he has another song about being an obsessed fan trying to get in to see the front <clears throat> row of Johnny Cash. Uh, and then Johnny Cash makes like a guest appearance in the song. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it was great. I listened to a lot of Shel Silverstein today. <laughs> and how did Nigel like Shell? He loved him. He loved him. Nigel started dancing recently. Oh. Uh, so he'll grab onto the table and kind of poke Bounce his butt out. Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he kind of dances like his father. <laughs> we have a running joke in this house because, you know, uh, my partner is Latina. Um and prides herself on being a dancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am always doing embarrassing things and telling him that's how you dance. That's how you do it. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you always doing all sorts of embarrassing things that aren't dance and telling him that's how you do it that's as right. well. That's right. Give him this bad leg up. You are just the embarrassing dad is <laughs> well, who you are. I will be. Yeah, well, you already are. No, you already are. What? He's proud of me. When other people are around, he you, he'll kind of like sh- try to show me off. Yeah. Yeah. He's proud. Does of he me. put you in tight clothes? He puts me in tight clothes. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Tells you to walk around. Walk around, do a spin. Do spin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a trophy father. Yeah, <laughs> trophy father. <laughs> uh. Yeah. You know, I, uh, uh, I I had mentioned this to you before, but so you know that we have chickens in the yard, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the kids who own the chickens next door uh, across the yard from us, uh, I was coming home the other day and I saw the mother and two of the kids carrying three boxes and in the boxes were the chickens and I was like why are the chickens outside and I walked up to them and said hi and they were like hi and then the mother looking at my face and real and you know anticipating what my question was goes oh so we had an emergency with the snake last night and it had to go to an emergency vets and I was like, oh, you guys have a snake, too. Um, I will say that they have four chickens, apparently a snake. They're fostering two chicks in the basement, but one of the kids wants a dog, and that's a no-go. <laughs> but that's an aside. Um, <laughs> that's an aside. And she goes, while we were at the vet, we were telling them about our chickens and that they're just in the coop all day. And the vet said, those chickens must be pretty bored. So the girls decided that they're going to take the chickens to the Christopher Street Pier to hang out with the Canadian geese. So they took the chickens to the Christopher Street Pier and left them out on the pier to go hang out with the Canadian geese. Mm -hmm. And I said, how'd that meeting go? Did they get along? She said, not so much. And then they they went inside. So a couple days later, I walk out in the courtyard, and two of the kids are there, and they've got two of the chickens in harnesses, harnesses and leashes, Whoa. trying to teach the chickens how to walk on a leash, which I think may be the greatest thing ever. So eventually, sometime in the next few months, especially when it's warm out, mm-hmm. there's going to be chickens getting walked around the neighborhood. On harnesses and leashes. I love it so much. Yeah, it's great. I love that so much. Yeah, that one I'm 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 big on. I have seen 
people in this city walking as pets, goats, long-haired goats. Oh, and, wow. Uh, pigs. I've seen pigs. Pig, I've pig. seen, you know, cats, obviously. Yeah, sure. Monkeys I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen, you know, birds on shoulders. Mm-hmm. But not much livestock. I really haven't seen, certainly not as pets. You know, but what are you going to do? Um, but Noah, while my story had nothing to do with the topic, yeah. your story yes. regarding the late, great children's book author and 70s writing icon. Icon. A, multiple generations of children grew up on Shel Silverstein. Yeah. And while he himself is not the topic, no. what is the topic today? The topic today is kid lit, how to board book your way to the boardroom at the top. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Good. You should make that the blurb on the, uh, on the descriptor. Maybe I will. It just came to me. Yeah. No, it was good. It was solid. I like that. That's right. Well, you have a kid, Noel. I realize yeah. that, like, you know, there is no, like, fun facts about kid lit. You do fun facts about kid lit and you get, like, you know, massive industry articles about the children's literature, uh, the business of children's literature. It's very difficult for me well, I have to, to find say, something light research, and loose that didn't require hours of reading. Yeah, doing research, I have to say, I... Most almost anything you would search, you got the same results. Yeah, and ninety percent of it were workshops on how to mm-hmm. write and sell your kidlet stuff. <clears throat> yep. Um. So sometimes you got to free ball it, right? You got to go off road. There you go. <laughs> oh, I went off road, my friend. Oh, really? Good, good, good. good. I went far off road. You may not talk to me again after this episode. Oh, Josh. Oh, uh, yeah. You're gonna get canceled. Um. <laughs> if I have, I mean, we'd have to have people that listen to our show that give a shit. That's the that's the positive side <laughs> <laughs> of being so unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> is that you can skate under the radar uh-huh yeah i can really genuinely say nothing because no one cares about me whatsoever i mean i could say anything because no one cares about me whatsoever yeah, yeah. you know what i mean it and would if just they be like notice you look like a crazy old man anyway yeah so i would look like uh, they would look at me and go oh of course he said that mm-hmm. that's no question about that there's no shock there. Yeah. I've seen that guy on the street and I I've thought to myself that's exactly what he would have said. Anyway, Noel. Children's literature. Children's aka kid lit. Literature. How are you so, gonna get rich off of it? As I said, you know, search after search, you're getting the same twenty results with kid literature. You're getting uh workshops on how to it looks like honestly it looks like probably the most money in kids literature is selling workshops on how to write and sell kids literature um it's like improv (laughs) it is um i actually went to high school with a with a, a woman or a girl at the time i guess or whatever um who uh 
became a very big uh, children's book author. It's not that there's no money at all. Um, it's just for the vast, 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 vast majority, there's almost no money. I, I know someone who used to work uh, freelance for Scholastic mm-hmm. writing uh, Clifford books. Oh, really? And um, they're all like pseudonymed under whoever, whoever the famous author right. of them are. And everyone else is writing them. And she was like, you know, starving artist, hardly paying her rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like this was the cash cow. This was just another job along with the fry cook job. And the, sure, yeah. You know, um, she so she was not she was writing books that are going to sell a lot for years and years, mm-hmm. and she was making nothing. Um, yeah. So I wanted. Did they do? Hear- I had a teacher. I know this is an aside, but I had a teacher who. Uh, uh, wrote romance novels in the summertime for extra money and had you know quite a a he wrote under a pseudonym it was a woman's name i can't remember what it was but he would basically get an outline all set up for a book from the uh company oh really and then he would write around that yeah oh i didn't know that yeah they gave him the whole plot and the outline and then he would just write all the dialogue and the and the and the good stuff, huh. huh? But anyway, I digress. I'm sorry. Okay, so I decided to plumb into how much money is there out there uh, in kids literature, uh, and I did see that there were some people that made a lot of money. Um, uh, J.K. Rowling, sure, yeah, net worth a billion dollars. Yeah. Um the first Harry Potter book? Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't get how this happened on the first one. Okay. But the first Harry Potter book was the fastest selling book ever when it was first released. It sold I don't I don't know where the figure is here, but it it sold something like 14 million copies in a week. Really? Yeah. In the first week or like after in, it sort of became first, popular? No, no, when it was released. Huh, that's crazy. I don't crazy. understand what happened with that. Uh, but anyway. <clears throat> um, so typical advance for a children's book um, <clears throat> is 6000 to $12,000. Um, if you have an illustrator... Uh, you have to split that money, so the author would get twenty seven hundred dollars uh, to fifty four hundred dollars. Then um, <clears throat> the royalties are between three point five percent to six percent of the book sales price. Uh, once again, split with the illustrator. Right. Um, books. Children's literature books tend to sell between 5,000 and 10,000 copies in hardcover form. Few make it to paperback. Um, and so most children's books don't go, you don't get anything after that advance. Because mm-hmm. you never earn the whole advance back. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. Um. So that's not a lot of money. It's a lot of time, a lot of effort for 
But as I say, there are people that are making quite a bit more than that. <clears throat> That's the average. The average person is making pretty crappy money. A little bit more if uh, if you're going more into the young adult, right? So, uh-huh. well, chapter, certainly, yeah. Chapter books, which are not young adult; those are still kids. Mm-hmm. Those are uh, for first-time authors. Advances of five thousand to twelve thousand uh, dollars. Middle grade novels are eight thousand to twenty thousand, and young adult novels are twelve thousand to thirty thousand. So uh, they're pretty low wage jobs. They do make extra money uh, with other things such as school visits, um, providing editing and critiquing services, mm-hmm. teaching writing classes, ghost writing services. Um, so they do make quite a bit of money outside. It sounds like the, the, the most accessible for a lot of these are school visits, right? When you get an author and they would come to your school library and they would read their book, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them are getting paid for that. Um, so there is that. And then I started looking around the internet. Just, I really, I was just trying to find anything that wasn't the same 20 sites that kept showing up for these workshops. Um, and I did see that there's been a scandal in the children's literature scene. Uh-oh. I don't know if you know, if you came across this at all, have you? No. Okay, so uh, someone wrote an article in um, me on Medium at first, initially. And it was about the sexual harassment and shenanigans that went down, abusive shenanigans that went down at some uh, children's literature conference that was in Colorado. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, it didn't name names, but it had a lot of references to things. Um, and in looking around on it, I did find... Uh, an article that there's a lot of articles based on that article. Uh, and I found one that was saying about the repercussions for these authors because then names started coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a few of the, of the main ones that were accused, or, or a lot of, a lot of the accused, everyone just kind of, ran away from them. Their agents, publishing houses dropped them. They got canceled is what you're saying. They got canceled fast. Um, and it referenced in there a site that uh, was naming names. So I took a look at that site. Mm-hmm. And it was going through all the allegations of uh, sexual harassment, sexual manipulation uh, against all these children's authors, and one of like, and, and some of them big. Uh, and this is children's authors to other children's authors in in a conference. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're not talking about like child molestation here. No, no, not at all. Um, no. 
Um, it sounds like the worst I could see that you're at, were actually talking about were people that were kind of hitting on uh, others with the promise of, I can help your career type Sure, thing. yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Um, and I do have to say, I think the whole poo-pooing and dismissing of um, impropriety is not something I like to see people go down. But I also have to say, I read this website that lists the allegations Mm -hmm. against all these people. Because this article that also went on, so a lot of these authors... They got dropped by everyone. Right. A lot of the others didn't necessarily get dropped by their agent, their publishers, their everything else. But bookstores were just refusing across the board to carry their work. Wow. Uh, School districts refusing across the board to carry their work. So they were getting very much blackballed just by being Mm -hmm. accused. So I was looking at these accusals. And as I said, I find it very tired when a lot of people uh, poo-poo allegations being made against people, but these allegations, most of them, were astounding to me that they were even being listed as being allegations. Wow. Um, There were allegations all of them were anonymous none of them had any citing they were really just anonymous posting somewhere Mm -hmm. that people had called together and now had thrown on this website of look at all the allegations we have against people um and and you know some of them were oh he was a little creepy or she they weren't all they weren't all men Mm -hmm. um Others were, just add me to the list of people. No no actual accusation being named. Name being named. Just just uh-huh. anonymous posting saying, add me to the list of people who are accusing. Um, then there were others that were things like, well, I've never met this person, but someone I used to know said that they were a creep. Really? Yes, and that was what these allegations are against some of these people. And and the point is... So a lot of it was just hearsay. A lot of it was very much hearsay. Very much hearsay. Um, I, yeah, it, this, none, very little of what I saw. Some, some did, but most of what I saw didn't even cut, reach the muster of a Twitter accusation mm-hmm. by a long shot. <laughs> uh, it, a, a lot of it was just kind of like, <clears throat> just like, oh, I spoke to him once. He creeped me out. And that's enough to get this person blackballed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I guess to a certain degree, you don't want someone who comes across as creepy yeah. dealing with kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that is the thing. If and and there is no group you want to 
get pissed off and boycotting you more than angry moms. Yes, yes. And, and, and that's kind of the thing. This whole industry is kind of dominated by moms and people who are trying to protect children. Mm-hmm. And right or wrong, uh, a lot of these people are getting blackballed. Um, so I started thinking about that. Um, and I thought of the movie Trumbo. Right? Um, and I thought, why not open up your own Trumbo Children's Literature Publishing Company and get some of these authors that are making $2,000 a book and get them to partner with some of these big authors who are getting blackballed. One of them was the with the author of the Maze Runner series. Really? He, he was one of the first ones that... that that was getting uh, blackballed for, from all this. So, like you know, big YA novels. Yes, yes, um, and um, so so part of them with with anonymous, unsuccessful authors, uh, you get some money for these other authors. You'll have the writing power, and maybe the Whisper Network saying this one's really by blah, 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 you know, Doctor Seuss really wrote this one. Um, and uh, you'll make a mint. You'll be helping out the authors who can't sell their work anymore. You'll be helping out the authors who could never sell their work at, to begin with. Uh, and you're, there's a lot of money. A lot of money to be had. Uh, you're going to trumbo this. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Me likey. I like it. Solid, my friend. Thank you very much. Well, clearly... You have made your stance against woke cancel culture. <laughs> you I, are. I, I haven't, as I say, and I and I find you are an alt right talking head. I, I find people that that make a stand against cancel culture, although I don't agree with all of it. But when people's just are hell bent against cancel culture, it, it's just tired. Just come on. Well, you've just made your stand. Okay. <laughs> you're hell bent, so you're about to get canceled. All right, no, I, which from is what you, good. You already, you already tipped the hat that you're going to get canceled tonight. Because what else would one want to talk about when talking about kids' literature uh-huh. than pornography? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! So it's good that we have a show that's really all about free thought and free speech today. Okay, and anti. SJW woke cancel culture. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, Noel, I know you're going to have to bear with me on this because I'm going somewhere good. All right. Let's hope it's good because it sounds like it's going to be a, a painful, bumpy road. It, no, I don't think it will be. Okay. All right. But, uh, you know, I was trying to think of, you know, kids lit, kids literature is about teaching children in the end right whether it depending on the age range whether it's it's about socializing better whether it's about being a a a better citizen whether it's about how to tie a shoe when you get to the younger ages whether it's about you know what a caterpillar sounds like Mm -hmm. you know you read i'm sure you're reading books to the to nigel at this point right oh yeah 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 yeah, and he loves them, and he squishes, and he squeezes, and he's learning all about things from it, right? Yeah. Well, I was reading um, uh, 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 
I was trying to figure out like how can we educate kids, right? And and I remembered hearing about you know a, a report I had seen ages ago about how twelve and thirteen year olds are watching so much porn that they are. It's affecting the way that they see relationships, yeah, the way that they idea. see uh, sex, obviously, um, and uh, uh, the male-female dynamic is skewed in, in a really unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. I was like 12, 13. I mean, those are children, but they're teenagers. I, I, I wasn't thinking about kidlit in terms of YA, but I sort of just wanted to look up uh, children watching pornography. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked. Um, new research from a, a, a security tech company called Bitdefender, it's a pretty well-known security uh, tech security company, has reported that children under the age of 10 now account for 22% of online porn consumption for under 18-year-olds. Oh, for under 18-year-olds. Yeah, 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 not overall, but for under 18-year-olds. Um, the most popular site amongst these kids is obviously Pornhub, mm-hmm. like it is with adults. Um, and then I was reading that kids don't even have to look for pornography because it is essentially programmed to find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that pornography searches increased by 40%. 700% when kids are out of school. Um, now, according to a study done by the government of Australia, um, pornography amongst children, uh, uh, pornography viewed amongst children uh, accounts for uh, uh, unsafe sexual health practices when they get older and start having sex, such as, such as not using condoms and unsafe anal and vaginal sex mm-hmm. uh, accounts for gaps between expectations and reality, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, an uncertainty about sexual beliefs and values may be, re- may be related to sexual dissatisfaction, anxiety, and fear. Uh, it reinforces the double standard of male and female sexuality. Um, both young male and female consumers of pornography had increased levels of self-objectification and body surveillance. Um, it goes on particularly for males, adolescent and child use of pornography, uh, uh, who view, uh, uh, view pornography frequently or more likely to view women as sex objects, objects, and to hold sexist attitudes towards women. Okay. Um, and may very well strengthen attitudes supportive of sexual violence and violence against women. Um, perpetuating sexual harassment amongst young men towards women. Uh, and adolescents who consumed violent pornography were six times more likely to be sexually aggressive compared to those who viewed nonviolent pornography or no no pornography at all Mm -hmm. uh kids who watch become easily become addicted to porn and it actually changes their brain their gray matter actually changes because of their porn addiction and they seek out as 
They get more and more inured and less uh, aroused and titillated by standard everyday sex. They go towards more graphic and violent sexual scenarios to find pleasure. It's intense. Um, so what do we do about that? I, I mean, know. you have a I you have know. a you have a boy. You have a boy child, mm -hmm. and I have no doubt you are going to do everything in your power to raise that boy right, to treat people with respect, to treat women with respect. But there's a lot out there that can get in their brains. There is, and mess all that up. So this is what I propose. Oh, boy. Okay. Everyone out there, just remember this. <clears throat> last moment before Josh gets canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Pornography books for children. Okay. There you go. Done. That promote healthy mm -hmm. sexual identities, mm -hmm. healthy sexual practices, mm -hmm. and healthy sex create characters that the kids can identify with and love mm -hmm. and get it before it gets bad. Because a lot of these kids, if you're talking about under 10, how many of these, how many parents have had talks with their kids about sex at this point? Mm -hmm. None, right? Well, probably most. Really? By 10? Yeah. yeah. By 10, you think by 10 or nine or eight or seven. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it's a different world than I grew up in. <laughs> to, to different degrees, right? You you answer their questions in the simplest way that they'll accept. Sure. And I mean, yes, if they're asking you questions. They, they but demand more sophisticated answers. Right. If they're asking you questions, certainly, right? I mean, obviously, you're going to explain to them. You don't, I mean, ideally, you'll explain to them. You won't just ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist. But when you sit down and have the talk with them, about how to treat your sexual partner and how to treat women or men mm -hmm. or people that you're interested in sexually, you don't think about it in those terms because you don't think of children that young having those urges necessarily. Sure. Um, but pornography doesn't care. Mm -mm. Pornography gets their hooks in them and turns them into deviants and terrible people who will be canceled. So that's what you're going to do, guys. You're going to write pornography for children. Yeah. You know, if it's not too graphic, uh, I could see this going in Sweden. Absolutely. All over Europe. Yeah. All over Europe. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Um, Cancel me now, SJWs. <laughs> Here it comes. Uh you guys, if you're like, well, Josh is canceled. We can't give him money. But uh, how do we give Radio Free Brooklyn some money? You can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Hit the sponsor button and uh, pledge an amount. That money will go to Radio Free Brooklyn. Keep the servers honeymoon. Keep the studios open. Support community radio and the arts. You get a tax break because Radio Free Brooklyn's a 501c3 charitable organization. If you want to support in other ways, you can. Don't worry. We got you. You can... Subscribe to the newsletter. You can download the app for iOS or Android. Uh, you can put Radio Free Brooklyn in as your Amazon Smile uh, charity, right? And when you make purchases on Amazon, Amazon kicks in a tiny amount. Um, 
lots of ways to support us. Uh, we still got a sponsor that we know and love at this point, uh, which is <laughs> City Running Tours. Have you watched any of their Instagram live stuff? No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's amazing, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not up early enough to watch it. That's why I know you are, you are a nine-to-fiver and have a baby, so I would imagine you're up early enough. Well, and it's can... Sunday morning, but I'm, I'm kind of watching Nigel at the time that it is, so gotcha. I'm not really Instagramming it. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> So, uh, City Running Tours, what are they? They are for neighborhood running tours of New York City uh, neighborhoods. So you can run, get a tour at the same time. 20 different tours of neighborhoods of Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx. You've been sitting on your couch. You've been getting fat. You've been getting bored. Get out there, run, get a tour. Uh, Go to cityrunningtours.com slash New York City to see the schedule, book a tour. Um, And if, as Josh hinted at, if you are like, ah, seems like a lot of effort, you can go Saturday, Saturday at 10 a.m. on Instagram.com slash City Running Tours, and you can see a live tour on Instagram from the comfort of your own bed. So get out there, do it, support them. They support us. So it's all a big circle, my friends. Uh, and as thanks for letting us plug all our plugs every week, we have a topic from that topic. We give you so many ways to get crazy rich this week. That topic is kidlet, but we, we always find another topic to just wedge in there somewhere, a little idea to make even more money. So Mr. Josh, please take it away. The get rich quick tip of the week. Brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. You know, success leaves clues, kids. And they're all tough as nails. Some of you will say they're ruthless. I would have to tend to agree with some of the guys are ruthless. Some people have said, I started the same Dell Corporation started. If I had been in the computer business, I would have been the first trillionaire on the planet. But they also say, Dan, you're a weenie. You're too easy. Now, these are the big boys. If I'm too easy and I'm a weenie, which equates to a snowflake, where enough does that leave you? If I'm a weenie stroke snowflake, where does that leave you? Some word salad from Dan Pena for you there, Noel. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not sure where the money was in that one, but I think... The money is that is that you got to be tough as nails because success leaves clues. Okay. And don't be a weenie slash snowflake. Because mm-hmm. if he's a weenie slash, slash snowflake, because the big boy said it, what are you? Yeah. I think okay. it's very clear where the money is in that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he just took my scheme. No, uh, he didn't. You guys. <laughs> uh, we, so we're going to go into overdrive here. This is the speed round we're going to do. Uh, I don't uh, have much for my second idea. Oh, okay. Either do I. We can go real slow still. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys, Kidlit, how are we going to make money? Uh, as we said, when we search for things, you get basically the 10 sites over and over again just with workshops of how you can make money on Kidlit. Uh, I think they're making more than any of the people at the things. And I had one idea. like If, if these kids really don't want to read, maybe you make something like 
kidlit TV. There is it. It's out there. There's already kidlit TV. So mm-hmm. you can't even corrupt kidlit. Nope. Um, there's a the company thing, already called kidlit. Huh? There's a company that's called kidlit. There's a company called kidlit TV. Yeah. yeah, they do, but it's the same company as does kids literature. They do TV. They they're a big conglomerate. Okay. Um, and the truth is, though, you know, like or dislike Josh's last idea, it had the essence of truth in there that kids just don't want to do this. A lot of them, you know, a little, little guy loves getting read to, but once it's up to them to read a lot of them, they want to play video games. They want to do anything, but, um, so I thought, how do we capitalize that to actually help children's literature? And I thought about these games that are out there with, the, <laughs> you know, there, there's so many games now where you get a character, you build skills, you often, buy skills nowadays right um for these giant video games that are out there um so you plunk down your credit card you pay 10 bucks you get a new weapon you get a new skill or you know whatever it is that you get and i thought what if what if instead of plunking down 10 bucks and getting a skill you plunk down 20 bucks and you read a book and somewhere in that book is something that you have to put in. Maybe the video game then asks you a few questions about the book that you have to answer to mm-hmm. get right. And if you get them right, you get the skill. Parents will gladly pay that what's overpriced for a book, what's overpriced for uh, a task add-on for a game, but they'll gladly pay both because it's a book their kid will actually read, and it's an add-on for the game that the kid will actually have to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the way you're going to sell books. You're going to tie them into video games and have the character add-ons have to read a book for them. And the kids will actually yeah. read them. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Solid, fair dinkum, my friend. Mm-hmm. So I have two sort of half sort of thought out ideas. Mm-hmm. So I was reading about how, uh, uh, this giant uh, global ad agency called Publicis okay. uh, published a report which said that today's kids and tweens have buying power to the tune of $1.2 trillion per year, which is insane. Yeah. It's a lot of buying power. I then read that apparently in the U.S., 5% of U.S. parents which is about 6 million couples have given a credit card to a child age 12 or younger. What? And 4% have given a credit card to a child age 8 and younger. So, I don't know, for those of you that are... are, are younger than Nolan and I, which I can't believe there are that many of you out there listening to this show that are younger than us. But let's just say you are for shits and giggles. You may not remember there was a an old TV personality who had a kid's show and his name was Soupy Sales. And this was actually done in the 60s. He had the Soupy Sales show. There were puppets and things like that. Uh-huh. And Soupy Sales got canceled 
as we would call it today. He got kicked off of television for a while, lost his show, because he did a thing. He would do a thing where he turned to the camera and he talked to the kids watching the show directly. And one day he turned to the camera and said, Hey, kids, why don't you go into your mommy's pocketbook or your daddy's wallet and take out a dollar and mail it to me, Soupy Sales, and gave the address of the station. Now, Soupy was an old-school comedian, was really what he was, and he thought he was making a joke. And then all these dollar bills started rolling in. And parents found out about it and lost their mind. Yeah. And Soupy got canceled. But that was because kids didn't have their own money, and that's how parents found out about it. When you have 6 million kids out there, if not more, who are carrying around credit cards and are waiting to be financially abused in some way, you have to figure out a way. I don't know how you hide it in a book, but a way to get the kids to, while they're reading the book that their parents have happily purchased for them, to just start charging things buying things through the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know exactly how this is sort of where I got stuck with it. So that was one idea. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, it's like I said, you know, you can help me flesh it out if you want. Um, but, but you know, like direct purchasing through the book you could even have a credit card swiper. Here's an idea. Mm-hmm. You have a book that's about shopping for kids right where it's literally teaching them how to shop you know you go to the store and then mommy pulls out her credit card and there's this credit card swiping thing there and when they swipe they're actually transferring money over to you so it's an actual working wi-fi swipe that when they swipe their kitty credit card that they've had since they were four years old they're being charged money every time. Yeah, you know what would probably even make more money uh, if we're going to spitball this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you did it on an ebook that they have on whatever an iPad or, right. or some other device, a lot of parents give them um, electronic allowances now, where they oh really X amount. Yeah, you can do that with Apple and I think with Amazon and stuff too. Uh, so the kid every week or whatever gets X amount of dollars that they can spend on games, on books, on whatever. And you can have uh, purchases that they can make through there. All right, there you go. Yeah. So that's that's one. And then the other one was, uh, you know, kids are much more sophisticated these days. Uh, at younger ages, they have certainly way more sort of uh, uh, emotional intelligence than than you or I ever did at their ages. What they don't have is necessarily the verbal intelligence, right? They don't have the words. And that's why kids' books are sort of super simple, right? Obviously. But it doesn't mean that they can't comprehend sort of more difficult things depending on their age. Um, So I had the idea because by the time kids now are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old and older, they're done reading. Mm -hmm. They don't want to read books anymore. So what happens to all the great literature out there uh, uh, if there's no audience for it? So I say get them young. You take these great books, for instance, uh, 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 To Kill a Mockingbird, the most popular book 
in in the United States of America for 25 years running or something like that. And you make it a kid's book. Yeah. Right? All the themes are there. The relationships are there. You just do it in kid words that they understand. Simple words, simple sentences. And the kid can say, I read To Kill a Mockingbird. I really liked it. You'll sell more To Kill a Mockingbird books. Uh, Shakespeare's another example. That language is hard. Dumb it down for a kid. Anyway, there you go. Those are my ideas. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Hey, you know what, you guys? If you want to get in touch with Josh and I, you can. You can go on Twitter at GRQ Josh Noel. You can email us at GRQ with Josh and Noel at gmail.com. You can get us at Facebook at Facebook slash GRQ Josh Noel. You can go on iTunes or anywhere nowadays you get an, uh, a, a podcast. You can subscribe. You can rate. You can review. Sounds like a, a easy three three task deal there, right? Yep. If you only listen to us in podcast form, we implore you tune in Saturday nights eight o'clock. Radio Free Brooklyn. Get the schemes five days before everyone else. Get there early. Listen to Art Star Scene. Stick around afterwards. Listen to the Circuit. Either way, you should be turning tuning in to Radio Free Brooklyn and catching what's going on. There's a lot going on. Is what's going on. Uh, right about now, your pockets are brimming full with all the money that we just made you. What are you going to do with it? Tell them, Josh. Send that money! The most expensive helicopter in the world is the Airbus H225 Super Puma. This helicopter has a sizable price tag of $27 million with a maximum speed of 201 miles per hour. It's also one of the fastest choppers in existence. Considering its size and speed, the H225's range of 533 miles is even more impressive. That's far enough to fly from Jamaica to the Bahamas on a single tank of gas. The luxury model of the H225 has optional leather seats, in-flight entertainment systems, hardwood tables, and silk curtains. In case you want to take the H225 to more northerly climbs, the blades and rotors have an anti-icing system to keep passengers safe, and the cockpit allows for amazing views. The H225 is equipped with a full-glass cockpit with active matrix liquid crystal displays. It can climb more than 1,700 feet every minute, meaning that every second on the H225 is a thrilling ride. It talk- there you go, guys. The H225 Puma. Get it. Get yep. a couple. Yeah, why not? Come on. Uh, you guys, how do you know our scheme is as good as, as we think they are? How do you know you're going to make the money? It's because Josh scours the internet for rules of getting rich quick. Do what you're schemes guy. Where, where they come from this week? Uh, well, we only have uh, time for one, and yeah. today they come from a self-made millionaire. Says there are four rules he created to get rich. Uh, one, copy your competitors. Copy your competitors. Take old books, put them out as, as kid books. Boom. Yeah, there you go. So we're one for one, definitely getting rich. So once again for Josh. And old, don't spend all that knowledge in one place. <laughs> back.
gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day.